Hello. This is Legend. I'm Sam. <laughs> I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Yes, we are. Did you lose yourself there for a minute? I just completely went into outer space. <laughs> I was like, doo do do. <laughs> so I know you haven't seen The Last of Us. Nope. Because I've been talking to you about it, but you need to. And anyone who hasn't seen it, watch it. It's so good. Yeah. So good. What is the main idea? Like, I know there's like spores that get into people and infect them. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's just the main character, Joel, and then Ellie. And they're just making it across. I don't want to give any spoilers. So. Are they father, daughter? No, they're not. It's like, it's, I hate to compare it because it's not really like it, but. It gives me the same feeling that I had when I watched The Walking Dead. But it's better than The Walking <laughs> Dead. And I hate to say that because Norman Reedus is the sexiest <laughs> man on earth. Well, I mean, to be fair, The Walking Dead started out good. And then mm-hmm. it kind of just turned into the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And then they killed off the people that were good. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was really The Walking Dead was really good. Um, it, I lost interest, I think, in like around season seven, but this know. is pretty good. I couldn't watch past Glenn's killing. I don't even yeah. when, know when that happened. Yeah, I don't remember when that happened either. But yeah, that was a hard one. Uh, and I said The Last of Us is pretty good. I mean, it's really fucking good. Okay. Like, it's real good. Well, that's good. Well, it's finally here, the day I get to talk about the Yeti. Yeti! <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, this might have been something that just happened in my head, but before I started putting together episodes and it was all Sam, I believe I had told her that in addition to the Halloween episode, I wanted to do maybe one or two special episodes every now and then and i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure when i was saying that the only one i had in mind at the time was the yeti (laughs) (laughs) well here you go here's your chance to shine yeah have you ever heard of the yeti i have heard of the yeti do you know much about the yeti nope not really i mean i know the general idea of it but other than that no i know nothing What color is the Yeti? In my mind, it's white. Okay. So. (laughs) I'm wrong? I picture like the abominable snowman. Yeah. We'll talk about that. All right. (laughs) Damn. So I'm not going to lie. I was very excited to have a reason to rewatch the special miniseries Expedition Unknown did called Hunt for the Yeti. If anyone is interested in the Yeti, I highly recommend it. Plus, Josh Gates is adorable with how excited he gets for it. Can I pause you? Yes. So, I meant to send this to you earlier, but speaking of Josh Gates, 
the, all this controversy is coming out on TikTok right now about Zach Baggins. Yeah. And, yeah. I can't and, wait to hear it all. Uh, yeah. it's. <laughs> I knew it was going to come eventually. But anyway, I was reading the comments on this one guy's video who I guess knew Zach very well. And everybody was like talking shit in the comments. But then somebody commented and was like, I always liked watching Josh Gates and they said some other uh, paranormal investigator. And then someone commented below that and was like, yeah, Josh Gates is really fucking cool. And I was <laughs> I screenshot it and I was going to send it to you, but I forgot. Uh, so I figured yeah, this was a perfect really time cool. to mention it. I mean, I don't have full faith that he's a completely amazing guy, but I'm sure that he's at least partially as cool as he seems to be. <laughs> he, he seems... <laughs> pretty awesome yeah now where was i oh yeah if anyone is interested in the yeti i highly recommend it obviously josh gates is adorable already said that a lot of crazy stuff goes down in it and i will talk about some of it but also the info that he had in this one was really interesting also In case you didn't know, National Geographic website has quite a few very good articles on the Yeti. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't think they would either, but they were good. So let's get into it. First, I need to tell you what a Sherpa is. You know what a Sherpa is? It's not a blanket. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Is it a um, like a mountain person? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Sherpas are a group of people living on the border of Tibet and Nepal in the Himalayas. Dang, I got it. Yeah. I'll mention them a lot, so commit it to memory. The Yeti is a Bigfoot-like creature from the Himalayas, which, if you don't know, is a massive mountain range in Asia with more than 110 peaks, including Mount Everest. I don't know why I did. I know Mount Everest is not in the United States, <laughs> but for some reason, I forget that it's over there. Like Mount Everest sounds like it's such a because it was conquered by like Europeans that gave it. It's oh okay. It's a English sounding name. It does have other other names that it's referenced to from different parts of the world, but I didn't write any of them down. Okay. The Himalayas, however, got their name from Indian mountaineers. They named it Hima, which means snow, and Alaya, which means abode. So it's snow abode. (laughs) That's adorable. Mm -hmm. This vast mountain range goes through many countries, but the Yeti legend is localized to four. Nepal, Bhutan, India, and Tibet. The word Yeti has two possible origins. The first is a Sherpa word, Yete, meaning small man-like animal. And the second is the word for bear, which is Medi. To me, Hmm. it sounds like it's a mix of both. Yeah, well, I'm thinking small. Yeah. Yeti's not small, is it? No. (laughs) Okay, I didn't think so. Maybe... Changing the T to a T at the end makes it big. There you go. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it sounds like a mix of both, which, you know, 
would make sense based yeah. on its looks and everything. Whatever the origin of the word, it is generally thought to mean wild man now. Okay. In Expedition Unknown, Josh meets up with Adam Davies, a cryptozoologist, explorer, and author. He wanted to make it very clear that the Yeti is not white. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So what color then? It's actually described as being six or more feet tall, an upright hominid-like creature with broad shoulders, prominent brow ridge with brownish red or black fur, and obviously large feet. So pretty much almost exactly like, yeah, so there you go. It's almost even Yeti meaning wild man is just like, yep, Saskit. For yep. Sasquatch. It's also nocturnal. Just hmm. just so you know. Or it's thought to be nocturnal. I would just like to take this moment to apologize for my mythical May Yeti drawing. I was basing it off of the abominable snowman from the old claymation hey. Rudolph movie. So <laughs> my bad. <laughs> That's exactly what I envisioned too. So yep. While we're on the topic, though, do you know how the Yeti got the nickname Abominable Snowman? I didn't know it was a nickname for the Yeti. Yep. I thought they were two separate things. Oh, no. I don't know. In 1921, there was a British expedition into the Himalayas. While they were doing their thing, they came across some tracks when they told a group of Sherpas what they had seen, the Sherpas told them the prince belonged to Mito Kangmi, which means man bear snowman. Fitting. <laughs> when relaying this information to Henry Newman, a journalist, somehow, and I'm not exactly sure on how, but he mistook man bear as filthy. Oh, okay. When he went to write out his story, he decided to use the word abominable because it means causing moral revulsion. So a fancy, super mean way to say dirty. That is so interesting. <laughs> yep, that's where its name came from. I, when I was younger at least, I always thought abominable was another way to say adorable. <laughs> That's that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, so I, I always pictured him all being cute. I thought abominable meant like when I was younger, I thought it meant to be like indestructible. You know, I think I, I thought that too. Like I had a mix of adorable and indestructible in my head. But no, yeah. no it just means causing revulsion. Yeah. <laughs> so it's freaking disgusting. That's just funny because he's like, ew, you're dirty. <laughs> you're abominable yep now that is jumping ahead a bit but now let's go back a bit it's said that the yeti legend is around 6,000 years old or maybe it was 600 honestly that's... I can't read my handwriting very well <laughs> I was gonna say that's a big difference 600 or 6,000 years 
So I'm pretty sure it was 6,000. It's just all the other data I have doesn't go back that far. Okay. Yeah. In the pre-Buddhist religion of Bon, the Yeti was actually called glacier beings. That sounds more mythical. It does. Or mystical, I guess is what I meant to say. Mystical and mythical. Both, yeah, exactly. M words. (laughs) They were hunting gods of the forest creatures. There you go. Mystical. (laughs) There were many rituals they were involved in. One of them was the basic make an animal sacrifice to them for their protection. But the other one that I read about was a bit more involved. They would need to hunt the Yeti for some blood and they would mix it with mustard and poison for a magical potion. Mustard? Yeah. Unfortunately. Blood's bad enough. (laughs) You can put mustard in it. And poison. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's not forget that part. (laughs) Mustard. (laughs) I can't stop with the mustard. That's just disgusting. Well, it's not like yellow mustard. It's like mustard seed, probably, like the plant. But that's where the mustard comes from, right? Oh, uh, yes. But I don't think oh, it tastes right? exactly the same. I don't know. I'm don't not know. I'm not picturing it turning that nasty orange color. I don't know. I have mustard powder yeah. and it's orange. Well, I mean, like, you know, the color when you mix ketchup and mustard together because the blood in the mustard. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, unfortunately, the article I read did not give a description of what the poison did. But I assumed if you mixed poison and mustard, apparently, <laughs> it probably wasn't anything happy. <laughs> No, poison's never a good sign. (laughs) And mustard is just insult to injury. (laughs) Now, there are a couple things you can find in monasteries around the Tibetan-Nepal border. One monastery has an ancient scroll discussing the possible origins of the Yeti, claiming it was born to a Tibetan mother and a Manalangar giant ape. Oh, okay. Yes. So we're, we're crossing yes. species lines. Yep. In Kumlung, Nepal, there is a monastery that Josh Gates visited. They have had a sacred Yeti scalp for the last 300 years. Okay, I remember this. Yeah. It takes a bit but josh gets special permission to view the scalp and take a camera and a couple of his crew then once they're in there it takes another two hour long conversation between him a monk and a llama not an animal not the animal what a llama (laughs) a llama is like the Next rank up from Monk. Oh, I think. like the Dalai Lama? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, got the, it. Like head person of that monastery. I, 
I believe so. You you were quick to jump. You're like, nope, not the animal. Because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yes, for two hours straight, Josh was talking to a llama. <laughs> the llama was like, spit on your ass. Get out of here. Anyway, so two hour long conversation. He was finally able to convince them to let him take it out of its case, take pictures, and take a hair sample. I found an Atlas Obscura article that talked a bit more about the scalp. I love Acqu- Atlas Obscura. So. I know. Every time I use them, I'm like, Sam loves these people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, According to them, the scalp was found in 1960 by explorer Sir Edmund Hillary and journalist Desmond Doig. They found it at a woman's house in a small village. Actually, I think in the small village it's still in. They made an arrangement with the woman to take the scalp to get testing done on it. According to their testing, they think the scalp was shaped using the hide of another animal. They say it was likely a goat antelope, which I looked it up. That is a thing. Okay. We will talk about the sample Joss josh gates took in a bit when we have an entire dna talk it'll be at the end prepare okay (laughs) prepared there is another monastery in pangboche that josh gates visited they have a yeti hand well not exactly more like they used to in the 1950s tom slick a rich oil tycoon, and his friend Peter Bune were exploring the Himalayas when they came across the monastery. They were super interested in the hand and decided to be terrible humans. They Mm. got a monk drunk, and while he was distracted, they stole a finger from the hand. But it only gets weirder. Somehow, they got another friend to smuggle the finger back to the United Kingdom tucked in his wife's undergarments. Oh, that friend <laughs> that friend was super famous actor Jimmy freaking Stewart. Have you ever heard of him? Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. Like, isn't that the Tonight Show host? No, no that's Kimmel? John Stewart. John Stewart? Jimmy I was Kimmel, mixing Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> okay. No, no. I don't know if I've heard of him. Let me just pull him up on IMBD real quick and see if you've ever seen any of his movies. Well, I know you have seen this movie, but you definitely didn't see him in it. An American Tale, Fifle Goes West, he voices Wiley. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh! Yeah, he ha- he's known for his voice. Like He has a very distinctive voice. An extremely distinctive voice. Yes. No way. Yeah. Anyway, so this is the story that they told on Expedition Unknown. However, this is not the same story that I read on another Atlas Obscura article. Their story is that Tom Slick had hired some hunters to go track down evidence of the Yeti for him And when he had learned about the hand, he convinced them to get a piece of it. They did so by offering some cash for a fingertip and a bit of skin. They also provided 
a new fingertip of a human skeleton they had acquired. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They did use Jimmy Stewart to help smuggle it back, however. Okay, so he was involved? Yeah, so he is still involved. They got it analyzed by Osmond Hill, a primatologist. Primatologist? I don't know how you say that. Me neither. Initially, he said it was human, but later claimed he was unsure. Hmm. The skin fragment that was taken with the finger was inconclusive when tested, and decades later, the show Unexplained Mysteries tried to do tests on it that also came back inconclusive. The fingertip disappeared for a while, and when it resurfaced, the BBC had it tested for a documentary they were doing in 2011. The DNA test came back as human. Now, let's rewind about 20 years before this documentary. In 1991, the entire hand was stolen from the monastery. Oh, my goodness. They used the hand as like a way to make money for their monastery and the village. So after they lost it, based off of images that they had taken of the hand, the same geniuses that created props and costumes for Lord of the Rings made a replica of the hand for the monastery. Wow. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's crazy. It's, it must be a really good hand. It is insanely realistic looking. Josh Gates held it. And if it is a human hand, it belongs to someone the size of Shaq or bigger. Because it looked two times the size of Josh's hand. And I imagine he does not have dainty hands. <laughs> well, he's like six foot something, right? Yeah, he's like six foot four. Yeah. He's a big no. boy. <laughs> <laughs> no dainty hands. Nah. So on the other side of the Yeti legend is the Sherpa stories. In Tibetan folklore, they told stories about how vicious and mean they were. They used the Yeti as a cautionary tale to youngsters about running off and about interacting with animals they don't know thing- anything about. Surprise. Smart. A legend being used against children. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a theme. No. The biggest difference, however, is that their Yeti carries a club for some extra violence. Ooh, like a caveman. Yeah. There is a Sherpa story about how a group of Yetis were harassing a village. The guys from the village thought they could trick the Yetis into hurting each other. All the guys had a party. They got drunk and then pretended to get in a huge brawl. What? They (laughs) They were hoping that the Yeti would mimic them, but that their fight would be more real and they'd actually end up hurting each other. Unfortunately, that is like so convoluted. Yeah, like <laughs> wishful um, thinking. Unfortunately, uh, the Yeti were a little smarter, and the guys just ended up looking dumb 
and yeah. the Yeti moved on to attack more villages. <laughs> Another of the Sherpa's Yeti Sherpa's Yeti stories is even weirder and really has no point to me. This one starts with a man in a forest coming across a Yeti that is growing larger and larger in just a short period of time. As the Yeti grew, he became stronger, and the man watching ended up getting weaker and weaker until he passed out. Um, So are they saying it's paranormal or like supernatural? I don't know. That's that's all of the story. Hmm. Are they saying that Yetis feed off of human energy? Yeah, that definitely doesn't seem like a normal earthly no. thing to happen. Uh-uh. Also, if their Yeti is so mean, why doesn't the story end with the guy never waking up because he was beaten to a pulp with a club? Yeah, seriously. The legend started getting Western attention in the 1950s. While looking for an alternative route up Everest in 1951, a British explorer by the name of Eric Shipton came across a Yeti footprint west of Everest at Nepal's Minlung Glacier. It appears hominid, but had an extra big toe that might have Interesting. been... <laughs> it might have kind of looked like a thumb. The... Print measured 13 inches in length. Wow. Yeah, it's big. That's about the size of shoe my brother-in-law wears. The snow was pretty crisp, so the photographs he took of it are amazingly clear and detailed. After his discovery, all sorts of explorers were flocking to the Himalayas. So much so that Nepal issued strict regulations on Yeti hunting that summed up to basically saying only photographs, no harm can be done to the creatures. Good. Yeah. I like that. That was nice. In the 1980s, Reinhold Meiser Meiser, reported seeing the Yeti. For years, he tried to have a second encounter but never got lucky. But from his one experience, he made the statement that he believes it is not a man-beast hybrid, but actually a bear we have yet to discover. Hmm. I feel like we would have discovered it. (laughs) You know, just like I feel like we would have discovered the Yeti. I feel like we would have discovered it. Well... I'll talk about this later, but I think we're thinking little, but we'll talk about it later. (laughs) Okay. In 2007, Josh Gates had his first Yeti experience that sparked his interest in the creature. In 2007, Josh was hosting Destination Truth, which I miss dearly, even though nothing was really ever found i still really liked the show (laughs) yeah however in his episode three prints were found one full two partial the find made international news i read an article actually now that i think about it it wasn't an article it was a blog post (laughs) wow yeah 
which makes a difference to me. I don't believe bloggers. But anyway, so I read a blog wait, wait, post. Wait, 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 wait. Why don't you believe bloggers? Because they're more opinion based usually. I mean, maybe not in the news media today, but usually blog posters are more opinionated than factual. Okay, just it just seemed like out of nowhere. Like I don't I don't believe bloggers. Like <laughs> I don't trust anyone that does a blog. Jeez. <laughs> okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> in the blog post they which I don't think the guy was very nice anyway. <laughs> because he's a blogger well yeah but he was pointing out that it was probably just bear tracks and you know blah 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 yetis aren't real it's in my links if you want to read it but i think he was just being harsh because it was something that was found on a television show and he kind of just seemed a little judgmental but okay i'm not being like defensive about it I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, you're not defending Josh Gates? I mean, I want to believe everything Josh Gates says, but I also do my own research on certain things, and sometimes I find other statements (laughs) that prove that he probably does just, you know, make things up a little bit to get some ratings. Oh, (laughs) oh no. But generally, I mean, his... Info seems, you know, at least generally right most of the time. Yeah, well, you got to think any TV show. Yeah, I mean, they got to have people watch. They want attention or else there is no TV show. Yep. (laughs) But really, chances are that the tracks were made from a large bear that Gates just wasn't familiar with, you know? Yeah. One thing I did learn from the blog post was that the print i think the cast of the print that josh made is on display at disney world's roller coaster expedition everest legend of the forbidden mountain (laughs) wow that's weird i wonder how much they paid for that i don't know probably not much because disney owns everything anyway they probably were just like hey uh, you got that on a TV show. We own all social or all media. So like that's ours. <laughs> <laughs> if I do, that's a strong if I ever go back to Florida. That would be really cool to stop by Disney World and see. Heck yeah, you are going to go back to Florida because if I take my kids to Disney World or Disneyland, it's going to be Disney World. Why? Because that's the one I went to. I went to Disneyland. And we're going to Disney World. Disneyland is closer to us. It is closer. But I'm just going to make you go back to Florida. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, (laughs) It would have to be a very specific time of year. Like July. December. (laughs) In 2008, Project Japan found a few Yeti footprints and even captured a video of what they say is a Yeti. They played the video on Expedition Unknown, but the quality was so bad 
and so shaky. And the creature was really far away. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a Yeti and a flea if that was the only evidence I had seen. (laughs) It was that bad. In an article I read on The Guardian about the incident, Project Japan even said themselves that the footprints looked pretty human. Okay. They they were extra large, but they really, really look human-y. Like, exactly. Daniel Taylor has been searching for the Yeti for 60 years. Oh, wow. He has written a book called Yeti, The Ecology of a Mystery, where he discusses things he's learned and his different adventures. When he was young and fresh on the hunt, he was told to look in the barren valley by the king of Nepal. The barren valley is a rainforest in the Himalayas. That's a strange a strange name. name. Rain- yeah. <laughs> barren. I was thinking it was like a desert or something. Well, it's B-A-R-U-N. So Oh, yeah. okay. Remember this is in America. Right. Right. <laughs> For and shame I, on me. And I'm probably saying it wrong. It might be Baroon. I don't know. Baroon? Yeah. So as soon as he had started to explore this area, he found fresh tracks. A local hunter told him he'd seen a tree bear in the area. According to Daniel, a tree bear, quote, forces an inner digit down so it can make an opposable grip. Hmm. Now I googled and googled and googled but I could not find any evidence to back this up, and nothing was definitive on what a tree bear is either. I was going to ask, is a tree bear like a nickname for a certain species? or It didn't really say, but the article that he was being interviewed in made a reference to an Asian black bear. Okay. Which they are known for being really good climbers but when i even looked up asian black bear i couldn't find anything talking about like an opposable thumb or a special digit or anything like that right one thing i would like to mention about daniel taylor though is that he fell in love with the barren valley and has helped fight to get it protected It is now a national park, and he is responsible for a trail that runs through it called the Yeti Trail. I really love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool dude. I kind of want to read his book. So before we get into the DNA talk, I want to mention a few things from the Expedition Unknown miniseries. So one of the first things I want to mention is that on the second episode... Josh and Adam Davies are directed to an area near a village where they say a Yeti has set camp. They came across a cave, and let me remind you, it is daylight. So if the Yeti is at home, it would be now, since they're nocturnal, supposedly. Right. I forgot about the nocturnal part. Yeah. They explore the cave and come across some dry grass that's been used to make a sort of nest. It's a large nest... But no one is home. 
They start rooting around for anything they could get DNA on and find a hair. They bag it and tag it and take it for testing. At some point, Josh gets a call from a man selling a Yeti hand. Oh, this is this is after the cave. I didn't really put a clear divider between <laughs> incidences. But at some point, Josh is in a hotel and he gets a call from his producer that got a call from their contact that has their contact. <laughs> wow. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Calling them about a black market deal, and it's a Yeti hand. What the fuck? Yeah. So they meet in a hotel room. The guy has, like, a face mask on to hide his identity. The Oh, and they altered his voice, you know, as they do. Mm -hmm. The Yeti hand is in a fancy box. Josh opens it up and unwraps the tissue paper it's in to find some hand bones that are kind of bundled together a little bit. The guy that is selling it, actually, I'm going to ask you, how much do you think a Yeti hand would go for on the black market? I mean, since there's no proof of Yetis, I would honestly charge like a million dollars at the least okay. for it. Okay. This guy wanted $10 million. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he well, was coming to the wrong people, though, because as Josh likes to point out, it is a cable series, not like a Netflix <laughs> series. <laughs> yeah, he's not up there in the millions. No. They end up convincing him to let them take a sample and several photographs about it, of it, and then they give it back. Now, we move on to another instance. In Pero, there is another monastery that Josh stopped by. I didn't mention it earlier because they weren't allowed to film inside. And all you got was a verbal description of Josh going in there and being like, oh, wow, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, they claim to have some Yeti remains. Hmm. And he comes out and he's like, it's some remains. I don't know what of, you know. <laughs> Darn, no pictures. Yeah, nothing for that one. While doing, you know, his exploring thing, Josh's very good friend and guide got word on a story about a climber, Steve Barry, that was hiking Gengar Pearson. Pearson? He was 18,000 feet in the air and looked out across the ravine to see these, like, this dotted line across a ridge on another mountain. A mountain that no one travels on. Like, it is untouched by man over there. Hmm. I think it's protected. I think that's what they said. Or, like, why? Obviously, this perfect dotted line could not be a four-legged animal. And honestly... It would be a very balanced two-legged animal to me. <laughs> yeah, on a mountain. Yeah, and like almost a perfect straight line. But there's nothing in the picture that would show any alternative reasons why there is this pattern that clearly looks like footprints. So 
Josh gets in a helicopter with a guy named Casey Anderson that takes him out to where the prints were located. They fly around a bit, but don't see anything themselves. So Casey has the idea that they should land the plane in a valley close by that he thinks would be where the creature would have been heading. Josh Gates has not had very good luck with planes before. Right? I mean, he doesn't have... There's that one where the roof got ripped off of it. Really? Wasn't what that we were talking about in a different episode? I have no idea. But I have very bad memory. I can watch the same episode five times and never learn anything from it. I feel like there was one we were talking about where he was trying to land. Like they were trying to land somewhere and it was storming or something. And like the winds like ripped the roof off or something. And then. I mean, that would be crazy. Maybe I'm just making that up in my head. I don't know. I mean, you think he is such a badass that you're picturing like all these wild, (laughs) crazy stories. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) He probably jumped out and helped land the plane with his own feet. Like Chuck Norris. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just sitting here thinking, I don't know how he got into. I know that he doesn't have very good luck on like. Having vehicles that are safe. (laughs) (laughs) And he obviously, like in this one, there were two different times they were flying somewhere in a plane that they were like, this is a really sketchy airport. Like only 12 pilots in the world are rated to land here. And there's a sheer drop off on one side and a rock wall on the other. (laughs) I would never, (laughs) never. Oh, and then there the one oh he went to like Everest base camp because someone had reported a Yeti sighting there. And when they were headed to the airport before going to the base camp, they were talking about like how terrible the turbulence is and like it literally feels like you're like being dropped down an elevator shaft (laughs) i would pass out and die yeah so i know that he doesn't have luck that way like nothing is ever smooth sailing like that but (laughs) i don't know if he's ever had the roof ripped off of i feel like that's something that would stick in my mind i don't know i don't know i just feel like he was there was some accident on this plane or whatever they ran out of fuel i don't know i just maybe i'm making shit up i don't maybe maybe (laughs) i'm glad he's okay yeah my imaginary bad scenario me too anyway (laughs) so they land the helicopter safe and sound (laughs) good i'm glad yes in this valley area, they decided to go on a little hunt and a camping expedition. They came across a track near a, like, stream. Casey says it could be a bear track, but he wasn't certain because the size was abnormally large. Hmm. They photograph it and move on. At night, they set up a... Well, their own camp. And then a little ways away, they set up like a baited area. They have some meat. 
and they play these god awful recordings of baby deer being murdered. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, then they set up a trail cam and they go back to their tents and go to sleep. In the middle of the night, however, they wake up to like some rustling noises going on really close to their tents. They get out, they go check the trail cam, and they realize they got some images of a bear ripping the camera off of the tree. Oh my god. <laughs> So then they decide to hightail it to the local village for the rest of the night. And then they come back in the next morning. They check the trail cams again. And the only other thing it captured was a deer. So nothing too exciting, but they did almost have a fun bear run in. (laughs) That was something I thought about when we were camping when I came to visit you. I was like, oh, my God. There's no bears in Oregon because I haven't seen a bear. Therefore, they don't exist. <laughs> I, uh, when we were driving to Rifle, mm-hmm. and I was like, I hope I see a bear out here because Amy says that bears don't exist in Oregon, and I just want to take a picture and tell her that I saw another bear. Well, <laughs> that would so be rude. Every time we were going through, like, because it was like wooded, mm-hmm. like we were going up a mountain, down a mountain, in the all these woods, and every single time Mormon would turn or I'd turn a corner, Mormon would be like, "Oh my god, are we gonna see a bear?" <laughs> it was like this huge joke. No, that's rude. That is so rude. <laughs> <laughs> so the last little adventure of his that I wanted to talk about was when he met up with Gary Moffat. Apparently, Gary is a huge fan of the Yeti and is trying to keep its legend alive. While hanging out with Gary, they take a raft down some white water to a very isolated location that locals have had many encounters in. They find what looks like a den or a nest near some water and set up a motion detector that will alert them when something is Moving around. (laughs) No way. Ah. They continue to explore the area and have the, what are those things called? The receiver to the motion sensors on them. When they get a little ways away, the motion sensors finally go off and they go running back towards the nest. When they get there, no animal is near, but they do see some fresh tracks. And this time, he's able to get a print from one of them. A cast of a print from one of them, to be precise. Are they abnormal? We'll talk about them again. Okay. Now, let's get on to the DNA. 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 (laughs) Before Josh headed out on his journey, he met with Professor Todd Disatel at the New York University Molecular Anthropology Lab. Ooh, that's a name. Yeah. I hope they have a door big enough to write that on. (laughs) Todd told him about a study Brian Sykes was performing where he was asking for people to send in any samples from Bigfoot-like creatures. Of the 58 different samples he had collected, three of them were supposedly from Yetis. 
and none of the tests came out definitive. According to the interview with Daniel Taylor, he said that of the samples Sykes had tested, two of the samples appeared to be bear-like. Sykes said that the closest DNA connection was a polar bear, but with mysterious DNA. Are there polar bears there? No. I did not think so. (laughs) Daniel also told about two doctoral students, but he didn't give their names. They had questioned Brian Sykes' work and double-checked it. They said that he had made a mistake and the sequence was actually a known animal. Daniel didn't actually say what that known animal was, but the the article kind of made it sound like he was hinting at the Asian black bear again. Okay. Apparently, those doctoral, 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 those students trying to get their doctorate weren't the only (laughs) ones upset with Brian Sykes' research. Charlotte Lindquist from the University of Buffalo didn't trust it either. She obviously couldn't retest what he had tested, but she was able to get her hands on nine new samples. Wow. So three times as many as he had. But where are they getting these samples from? From people that have collected them and keep them in their private collections. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of her samples was a tooth from a stuffed specimen at a museum in Italy. Another was a bit of skin from a religious relic. But there weren't any specifics on what religious relic it was from. Okay. The tooth turned out to be from a domestic dog. Oh, okay. (laughs) And most of the other samples, including the skin, belong to two Tibetan brown bears or Asian black bears. So bears are really the main suspect. Yes. She said that her research had actually helped to provide a new family tree for subspecies of bears in the region. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she's fancy. (laughs) So, really quick, I'm going to tell you the findings of the samples that Josh Gates had taken. The hair from the cave den was human. Probably fell off of one of them, really. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so sad. (laughs) Then, I didn't mention it, but he picked up some mysterious scat. And that turned out to be goat The sample from the black market hand had no usable DNA, but the shape of it led them to believe it belonged to a juvenile bear. Now, the sample Josh had got from the scalp, the the hair sample he got, Mm -hmm. was a complete dead end. To test hair DNA, they use an enzyme solution to dissolve the hair, But that hair never dissolved. So it wasn't hair. Well, Todd Disatel, the one that was running the tests for Josh, his belief is that whatever they had preserved it in 
was blocking the enzymes from working. So if it okay. is hair, it probably was preserved in all sorts of weird chemicals that were blocking it. Right. Okay. Or I can see that. it might not have been hair. But either way. Yeah. Now, after those samples were tested, Josh stopped by to see Jim Dines, a mammalologist. From the images Josh had collected of the scalp, Jim was able to reconstruct a 3D model. He said it definitely looked to be mammal, and the coloring suggested primate. But the shape looked forced, and there's clear evidence of it being sewn together on one side. Mm -hmm. Lastly, Josh went to Idaho to talk to Jeffrey Meldrum, a professor of anatomy. He wanted his input on the print that he was able to get a cast of. So we're back to the print. Okay. Jeffrey had scanned it into his fancy computer to make a 3D model. He suggested a bear probably made the print. But the print did not match bears known to live in the area. He thinks it could be a print of a bear thought to be extinct in the region, a Himalayan brown bear. The images of the other prints Josh was able to collect, however, were inclusive. Not inclusive. In- inconclusive? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that would be really interesting if he discovered that a yeah. thought to be extinct bear was not extinct. Mm-hmm. So, bears. <laughs> yeah, bears. Now, I have a few parting things to say about the Yeti. Rom... Kumar Pandey, a Nepali geographer and author of many Yeti books, has some advice on where to look for the Yeti. He suggests Mahalinger Himal region. That includes Everest, Laos, Chuyu, and Makalu Peaks. See, all of those ones have, you know, more regionalized names, not European names. Because mm-hmm. Europeans didn't conquer them. <laughs> anyway, he says you can learn a lot about the Yeti legend from the local Sherpa communities in those areas and to make sure to stop by the monasteries for the historical scrolls and artifacts that they have. I've already made this long enough. So I'm not going to get into all the different Yeti-inspired pop culture, but I will let you know that I watched the movie Abominable not too long ago, and it was absolutely adorable. Have I seen it? I don't know, but I feel like Val would love it. I think we have seen it. He has superpowers. I don't know. I'll I'll have to ask. I don't. I don't. I kind of block out. <laughs> kids movies but oh it was so cute so sam got any yeti thoughts bears <laughs> that's my thought that's, on yetis the only thought you got on it is bears. bears bears okay well i've always loved the idea of the yeti i personally would like to take this time to redact what we had said in our last episode 
when we were talking about how we didn't see how something large could avoid detection on land, ixnay that. Mm -hmm. I was being very close-minded and only thinking about the continental United States, you know, where the American Bigfoot is thought to right. live. Mm -hmm. I completely forgot about, like, mountain ranges and rainforests and everything else in other parts of the world. I totally think something could be living in those locations without really? ever being seen i still so don't gonna... think so <laughs> i'm not a world explorer so i forget you know how big everything is and how there are still a lot of places that are uninhabitable by humans mm -hmm. and there are still even places that humans haven't set foot like a lot of the himalayas because it's such a dangerous area yeah it is so i think it is totally possible that something is out there that we think is a yeti that we haven't discovered yet. Is it a man-beast hybrid? Probably not. But a type of like larger bear or primate, I could see that. Are there any primates out there? Mm, I mean, I think there's Well, I mean, monkeys. yeah, there has yeah, I, think, I didn't yeah. really look to see if there were larger primates. I do know that think it was Todd Disatel at the beginning of the Expedition Unknown episodes was talking about some primate subspecies mm -hmm. belonging to chimpanzees and maybe orangutans that had just recently been discovered uh, around the time that or in the last decade. So yeah. that would be something that has just been discovered that is really big. So, something to think about. But anyway, what <laughs> what would you rate it on the weird shitometer? Uh, I mean, I think I'm going with a five. Why? Or a six? Isn't that what I rated the Yeti? Or I mean, not the Yeti. This is the Yeti. This is the Yeti. <laughs> the uh North American Bigfoot. Honestly, I don't remember. But I feel like I it's know. right there. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. I'm going to go for a six. I think the fact that it is more ancient than I ever thought it was puts mm -hmm. it oh, yeah. up there on the scale a little bit higher for me. Because I think I did yeah. Bigfoot at like a four or so. Yeah, maybe that's what. Yeah, it was four or five for Bigfoot. And yeah, I would go five or six for Yeti. Yeah. So that is the Yeti. I have one more thing I would like to read you about it. This is a quote from Daniel Taylor that I really liked. Quote, the deep mystery at our core is that we want to be connected to the great beyond and we need symbols to help us understand the connection. That's why we believe in God or angels or the Loch Ness Monster. Throughout human history and across human cultures, we have developed messengers from the great beyond. Ultimately, that is what the Yeti is. I liked it. I, I thought like it was cute. That. Yeah. That is cute. So, what do you guys think of the Yeti? Have you ever been on a Yeti expedition? Ever talked to a Sherpa 
about the legend. While you're telling us all of your fun Yeti tales, don't forget to tell us all about the time that your ex came into town to tell you he had mastered the ways of the werewolf and was ready to settle down with you, but you had already decided that you liked ladies instead. I knew where that one was going. (laughs) Or what about the time your mysterious uncle died, leaving you a strange house made of glass filled with all sorts of fun ghosts? Ooh, my fave. And we cannot forget about the time you were camping and saw a giant bird with the head of a gerbil fly over your campsite. Ew. Well, um, <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to say anything else. <laughs> you can tell us about all those. I'd feel bad for you if you saw the gerbil head thing. Uh, but you can write to us at thisislegendpod at gmail.com or you can go to our website and we have a nice little form on there at thisislegendpod.com or you can follow us. Well, not or, just you can follow us. You better. You better. You you should follow us at our social medias, which is Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at thisislegendpod. Keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Bye! Toodles! <laughs>